So we continue our series, The Imperfect Family. The reason we're an imperfect family is because no perfect people are allowed, right? Awesome. You get to, don't get to pick your family, but you do get to pick your friends. And uh, so here we are thinking about this as a church family. Last week, as we talked about this imperfect family, what does it mean to belong to the imperfect family as a church family? And this morning, I want us to dig into this idea of what does it mean not only to belong to an imperfect church family, but what does it mean to, to what do we get from, what do we receive from this imperfect family? And so I want us to kind of dig into that. So if you have your Bibles in a little bit, we'll be looking at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and following, this idea of imperfect family and what you receive from it. Um, with that idea, how many of you all have seen the movie Failure to Launch? Anybody? So it's, uh, it's my nightmare. Like, I have this nightmare that I'm going to wake up and I've got 30-year-olds in my house and uh, I'm cutting their steak. You know, I mean, that's kind of what I, I'm like, ah. And so everything I'm about as a parent is like, hey, 18, you get a few months to enjoy summer, uh, you're gone. You know, we're, we're going to launch you, and if it, literally if we have to pull back the water balloon thing and launch you out of the house, you're gone. We love you, but we're training you up to be an adult. Get out. In the name of Jesus, Hurry. You know, I mean, get get going. I like your mom, and I want to hang out with her without you. Okay, and um, so we're we're moving that direction, and so that's an exciting thing. But so that's that failure to launch kind of scares me. And then this this new thing, not only the movie uh, failure to launch, but even recently there was a TV show called Arrested Development, and it's about some guys that just didn't grow up. And so we know guys and girls that have kind of physically they may look like they're mature, but they're not mature by their actions and all that. And so this idea of Arrested Development. And thinking about that in a family context, but also in a church family, is that there are those things as a parent that you're raising your children up and you have this image, this expectation of what it looks like for your child when they do graduate and they kind of move on. What are the things that you want them to know and what does it mean? What is the definition in your household of maturity? So within your house, you're thinking, like, hey, in the old days, you wanted your kids to be able to balance a checkbook or know when to change the oil, or all these different little things like that, but then also just some adult things so that they could go out and adult in life is what you're wanting them to do. So that question also then comes into the church family, and as a, as a pastor, as in some ways a spiritual parent, one of the questions that we ask and I ask all the time is, what does it look like to be a mature disciple of Jesus? And so that my role is, as a spiritual parent is to raise up, be a part of raising up children to maturity so that they can adult in the Christian faith. And so this morning, that's kind of what I want us to dig into, and in that what you should be receiving from your leadership, from your parents within the church family that you belong to. Because you belong to the family of God, you belong to the church family through either new birth in Christ and also adoption, just like any other family. So this morning, you're saying, hey, I am a part of the family of God, and maybe you're a part of the family here at second through new birth in Christ and adoption into the family of God. And so now I have the name of God and I'm living that faith out through the family here at Second Baptist Church. So the opposite of being mature is what? Immature, all right? We also say infants, right? And so they're babies. You all know what babies? Some of them even had some babies even born in our church this week. And so one of the things that those parents did when they had that newborn baby they didn't give them a stake or the keys to the car, did they? No, because they're not mature enough. So they get milk. So this idea of maturity means the opposite of maturity is infants. Actually, in the scripture when it says infant, it means those who cannot even talk for themselves. So those who can't even talk for themselves receive milk. 
And so those are infants. And so even in the church family, whenever Paul and the other authors of the New Testament and Old Testament talk about infants, they're talking about maturity. They're talking about infants. And so those that need to continue to grow in the faith, the infants in the faith, are drinking milk, not eating steaks. As a matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, before we get to Ephesians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, Paul says it this way, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are worldly, still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans or infants or babies? Even in Hebrews chapter 5, the author says, We have much to say about this, this maturity thing, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer even try to understand that there's a, there's a place that you kind of, because of immaturity, you don't even conversate anymore. You just kind of throw up your hands and your fists and you take your toys and you just go home and, and play. You don't even try to continue to be in the argument. Verse 12 of Hebrews chapter 5, it says, In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers or those that are investing in other people, you still need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, still being an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So imagine with me, if you will, how many of you love baby food? Awesome. You dream about it at night. Man, I wish that I could go to HEB or Walmart and just clean the aisles out. I mean, you would walk by the steak aisle and go, mm, no, I don't want that. You're going to go down the baby food aisle and go, oh, man, yeah, I've been craving cream corn. I'm going to get that. I've been craving carrots mushed up. And then kind of like sit down for dinner and pour it out and go, mm, this is good stuff. Right? How ridiculous a picture that is for us to be able to, to think that that's something that we would want. And here is the author of Corinthians, Paul, and of Hebrews saying that that's what it looks like. That people looking at us, that we claim to be mature, but we're still going to the baby food aisle. And we're still getting formula and milk. That we need that, actually, and we can't eat the steaks that are available to us. So what does it mean for us to have this idea of arrested development? That somewhere along the way... We've been growing up, and then something just stops our development. And so let's be honest in, in reality here that there, along the way in our faith development, there are times where something trips us up. We are surprised by something that happens in our life, and so we're maybe not, we're not quite mature enough, or we might not quite understand who God is and how God works and the family of God and all that different thing. And so we kind of get, we stop in our development instead of digging in or instead of you know, asking the questions and kind of doing life with people, we just kind of stop and we run away from, and therefore the development ceases. How about you? How many of you have ever decided, hey, this year is the year that I'm going to get in shape? A couple of you, right? And so now here we are in February. How many of you have already stopped that development? Yeah, most of us have decided, hey, eh. There's a little bit of pain, there's a little bit of discomfort, there's a little bit of grogginess because I'm getting up earlier or whatever. And so we kind of come up with all these different reasons to arrest the development. And so we say we want X, 
but we've counted the cost and realized, I don't know if I really want the benefit of here, and so we arrest the development of that thing. And so the same thing happens in our spiritual life is that there comes moments where people disappoint us, where your pastor disappoints you, where life happens and you're shocked by life. And so instead of digging into your faith, we run from the faith. Instead of digging into the church family, we run from the church family. And so all of these different things happen, and so we move. And so in that, there's an arrested development of our faith. And so so many times we run away from the very thing that we need to dig deeper into. And at the very moment that you begin to get sore, we should actually probably go again, right? And so that whole thing. And so here we are digging in to that. So the arrested development. All right. So we're digging in the rest of development. So what are the things that you should, in a healthy home, you should be getting? First thing in a healthy home is as a parent, my number one role is to train and rear or learn my children. Okay, I'm learning them up, right? And so I'm teaching the things that they need to do so that when they get out to the certain place that they can go and they can be. Because at 16, most kids around here think that they should get a car. Is every kid mature enough to receive a car at 16? No, but... In general, we, we should still ask those questions. Even though it's an expectation, it doesn't mean necessarily that everyone's mature enough and should receive the right. Okay? And so this is this idea of we're, as parents, we're training our children and moving them in this place so that at the appropriate time in life, they can receive them and move them. Now, I have teenagers, and so one of the things is there's times that I train and I teach and I learn them up, and they look at me like I'm crazy. Have you ever had that happen to you? And so there's this thing as well. So as parents, we can teach and we can train, we can learn them up. But then as the student, as the child, we can either receive the training or we can reject the training. And so that the same that is true in a household is also true in the spiritual household. Is that my responsibility as a spiritual parent is to train, is to teach, is to learn you up, to train you up, to build you up so that you can be mature and full in your faith in Christ and that, but also the other piece of that, as students, as disciples or whatever, your deal is to receive not just Chris's teaching, but the teaching of God's Word. And so that you can either receive it, and so when you receive it, you begin to try to apply it and see how it changes and applies to your life and it works out. Then the other side of that is if you choose not to receive it, then you reject it. And so if you reject it, I don't know about you, but there's been those moments, even when I was a child, that my parents would instruct me in something and I'd be like... You old people, you have no idea. Times have changed, all this different stuff. And then immediately I would go do acts or proceed with acts and then come back and go, uh, maybe they were smarter than they thought they were. Let's just not let them know, you know. And so that, that, that is the same here in our spiritual walk. There's, there's moments where people have invested in you as your spiritual parents and they've said, hey, Listen, I know this is a hard thing, but this is what God's word says. This is the truth. And because I love you, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to spank you, whatever. You've heard that. And, and, and it's like, uh, I don't know if I really want to believe that. I don't know if I really want to receive that. Because I'm getting all this other information from all these other places that tells me exactly opposite. And then so we go do X. And then we're disappointed because it doesn't work out. And you come back and you go, you know what, God's word is true. God does know what he's talking about, and I know that you love me. And so that whole tension there of teaching and training and equipping. So 
I told you we'd get to Ephesians chapter 4, so if you have your Bibles, open up to Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll look at this a little bit more. What are your, who are your spiritual parents? In Ephesians chapter 4, it tells us that Christ gave unto us the apostles. And so obviously the apostles are originally are the original 12 of Jesus. They're the guys that, that hung out and were disciples under the teaching of Jesus. And so we have those. But there's also this idea carrying out through the New Testament that there's an entrepreneurial spirit. So someone, so I would say that there's some apostle type people that are like church planters and church starters. Okay, and so those are guys that start stuff and they kind of go with it. Then you have prophets. Usually those are preachers, teachers, those kind of guys. And so they'll be able to say some of the hard things that the people need to hear from God's word. And then the evangelists. So we've had Ronks here a couple of weeks ago, and Ronks is an evangelist. I mean, he can walk up to a wall and tell them the gospel, and the wall would say yes. You know what I mean? They just got that, that deal about them. And then there's pastors, and literally that word for pastors is a shepherd. So someone who feeds the sheep, someone who guides the sheep, someone who comforts the sheep, someone who takes care of the sheep. And so that, that's an intimate day-to-day role of healing and of comfort and all those type of things. And so I see my role definitely in what I do as one of those things as pastor, but then also as a teacher, that there's those moments of teaching and, and instructing. And so we have not only myself, but we also have Sunday school teachers, we have life group teachers, we have Awana teachers. Anybody that has that gift or that role of investing in and opening up and exposing the scriptures to people, there's this teaching thing that happens. So your spiritual parents within the church are these type people that are saying, hey, listen, I'm, I'm going to open up God's word with you, I'm going to walk with you, I'm going to guide you, I'm going to shepherd you in the ways that Christ would want you to be and, and the student of that family and of Jesus. So that's the first thing I want you to grasp is that you can, then for us is, these people are training us, but then are we going to receive it? So even myself, I mean, I have people that I talk to, people that are mentors, people that still invest in me, that are parenting me and guiding me and directing that are further along in this road as a pastor, but also in this road as a disciple of Jesus and saying, hey, Chris, are you thinking about this? Chris, where are your, where are your struggles? What are the blind spots in your life? And continually guiding and shepherding and pastoring even me as your pastor. The other thing, continuing on in Ephesians chapter 4, is what are the, who are your parents, but then what do parents do? And the very thing that parents do is they equip. In verse 12, it says, parents, spiritual parents, equip his people for works of service. So again, one of the things that we're doing at our household is we're equipping or we're learning up or we're training or we're teaching our children in our house. So we have lessons. We talk about things. We're guiding them. And so one of my philosophies of parenting early on was, hey, let's do a much intentional disciplining and caring for our children before they get to kindergarten so that by the time that they get to kindergarten, maybe we won't have as many growing pains and issues. And so, so far that's worked out. I don't know if it's a good thing, but we're kind of, so we're equipping our children for works of service because I know that each one of my children are radically different and they're going to be going in different ways, but they need a foundation to set them apart. So even within the church family, there's opportunities for me as your pastor and others in leadership to equip you for works of service. Because Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10 says that you are called into relationship with Christ, and through that relationship with Christ, therefore he has already planned works in advance for you to do. And so that in my role as your spiritual pastor to, to parent and to equip, one of my main things that I'm doing or that we're doing is saying, hey, have you ever thought about doing this? Have you ever thought about doing this? And trying to help you find your place that God has uniquely gifted you 
to serve within the body of Christ. Because all of us have an, an important role in the body. I think that's why even God talks about throughout the scriptures, he talks about the body, the church, as a human body, that there's this moving together. Because if you've ever had a sore muscle or you've broken something, you know that in that moment when you've broken it, there's pain. There was one time in my life I broke my pinky toe. You know what? Before that, I hadn't even thought about my pinky toe. But the very moment that I broke my pinky toe, I knew that I had broken my pinky toe. With every step that you take, your pinky toe lets you know that it is broken. All right? And so the same thing is before I didn't even recognize that I had a pinky toe, but now in pain it's there, that sometimes in church work, in church life, in the church family, we think, hey, just because you think I'm the one that has to change diapers on a Sunday morning, that you think, okay, that's the pinky toe work, okay? That no one recognizes that I've done 20 diapers of poo-poo today. And you think, how insignificant a job is doing this? And so what I want that pinky toe to understand is that that pinky toe, by changing those diapers, allows 17, 18, 19, 20, 40 parents to be taught, to be trained up, or to invest. And so that that pinky toe, that maybe you don't recognize the moment that that nursery is not there, you're going to have 40 people plus going, hey, where's the nursery? How come we don't have the nursery? I can't do the things that I'm supposed to do. And because we've never even talked about the nursery, most of you don't even know that it's there, that there's 20-something kids in there which allow us to do what we are able to do. And so each one of us are important in the family of God. And so one of the things for us as pastors and teachers is to equip you for the things that God has for you and to understand that there is no job, there is no task, there is no gift that is less than any other gift or any task or any other job. Because together, in a healthy way, we're able to move forward and to take the steps that God wants us to take to do the mission, to do the vision, to do the tasks that God has for us. But if we don't receive the training and we don't take steps forward, then we're going to have an arrested development. We're going to stop and we're going to run out of gas. We're going to run out of energy. We're not going to be taking in the food that we need to be taking in. We're not going to be doing the exercise that we need to be doing to receive those things, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Because, you know, we look, we look and we can sometimes guess. Like sometimes you can see kids walking off campus and you can kind of guess, hey, that's an 8th grader, that's a 12th grader. You can kind of see it. And sometimes you see somebody who's high school and you're like, hey, how come they have, they're letting the elementary kids on the high school campus, you know? And so you kind of see those things. And so our bodies develop at different places, different ways and in different, different phases and different seasons and how quickly and all that stuff but there's always a place of what does maturity look like and that christ is giving us opportunities for works of service so that the body may be built up verse 13 it says until we reach till we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the son of god and again this idea of knowledge which we've talked about pretty consistently knowledge isn't just in the scripture is not an intellectual knowledge but it's an experiential knowledge so that you give your people that you're equipping, that you're giving your children or your grandchildren or your employees to grow them up to responsibility. You consistently give them, here's a, here's a responsibility, and they accomplish it. And you're like, yeah, that's awesome. And then you give them another responsibility until they can do it, until some one day, again, they're mature. We're equipping and we're giving acts of service so that they can grow in their faith. And through that, they gain a, an understanding and a knowledge of who God is and that God is trustworthy. 
But the very thing that we want is the last part of verse 13 is that they have this knowledge. And what do they do? They become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So imagine here in a few months, we're about to graduate some students. And so we line up these graduates and they're all in their cap and gowns and they look pretty and they're all that handsome, all that different stuff. And we say their names and we talk about all their accomplishments in high school and we applaud all that. And then they tell us what they plan to do, their dreams and aspirations for the future of their life. And we're like, oh, wow, never thought that, you know, you could be a NASA astronaut or whatever. All those different things that we think about and they're excited about. And then we give them Bibles and all those things. And then how ludicrous would it be for us to then give them baby bottles and coupons for HEB to go get baby food and say, good luck in life? Because we'd be like, well, why do they need baby food? They're beyond that. But it seems like that in that ludicrousness of this, this is what Paul is talking about is that Although we wouldn't do something like that, we're okay with it in the church family. They were okay with pretending that people are mature, but they're really not. And that when we really want to dig into adult relationships and begin to dig into some things that can change us and transform us, we step away from those things and we just applaud some things to make people feel better but to not really dig into the deep who are they and can they really are they really ready to launch? Are they really ready to do what God has for them and what they dream to do in their life? Continuing on, and the opposite of mature is an infant. And so in verse 14, Paul says, then we will no longer be infants. So when we reach maturity, then we're no longer infants, literally those who can't talk. And they're tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of the teaching and the cunning and the craftiness of people who are deceitful in their scheming. So this is the idea. So that as you become mature, that you have a certain level of knowledge, you have a certain level of adulting and expectation. So as you hear things that maybe sound like truth, but you're not quite true. So even if you're listening to Pastor Chris and you're like, man, I want to go dig in. And so you go to life group and you, you kind of dig into that. And then you go from your life group and in the middle of the week, you then be kind of study and do some of your own stuff. But that's, that's that mature thing of like, hey, I'm not. I love what Pastor Chris teaches. I love what so-and-so teaches. And I want to dig into that a little bit more because I want to understand it even more than what I've heard from Pastor Chris. I want to kind of own it for myself. And so that's the, that thing. And so there's times that you hear someone and you're like, man, that sounds a little bit like truth. But you don't know how to or you don't know enough or whatever. And so you receive something that's kind of sounds like truth but isn't truth. And it maybe is one degree or two degree or three degree off. And so if you know, this is what Paul is telling us, if, there's, if our life begins to get a direction of even one degree off, then the destination is this certain port. But if when one degree is off, we're not going to end up at the port that we think we're going to end up. We're not going to end up at the destination that we're hoping to end up because with one degree off, we're going to end up somewhere completely different. And so that in maturity, we have to have a spirit of discernment to even know what truth is or to search out and to seek out what the truth is. And so that that's the thing is that as, as infants, we just take in milk and we just kind of get it. But as we mature, we take in food and we even have discernment to say, you know what? I don't know that I need this or I don't even know that this is going to be healthy for me. But that's the, the moving because we can literally, as this image draws for us, being tossed back and forth and all that is literally a boat that's lost its direction. 
and is going, it's lost its guide and is going in circles and circles. Have you ever feel like your life is going in circles? You've lost direction. You lost kind of where you're going, and you feel like everything's kind of tossing you back and forth. This is the image of, of us. And, and what does it mean for us to be mature? Infants are easily tossed back and forth and deceived. And then he also continues on in verse 15 here, and he says, Instead of this being an infant thing, we should allow ourselves to, to speak the truth in love. Okay? Now, this is something we've talked about quite a bit over the last few months in that what does it mean to be... What does it mean to be in an adult relationship? And what that means is, one of the things that it means is that you can be in a relationship with someone and they can tell you the truth and you can receive it. You may not like it. You may not even understand it in that moment, but that you can hear the truth and you can receive it and you will let it marinate because you trust those that you've invited in to do that with you. So that really the idea here, instead, speaking the truth in love, literally means instead, truthing. In other words, that you're in a context that's a safe place that people can truth on you. That's a pretty powerful picture. Is that you are, as we talked about last week, that you allow yourself to step out on a platform, vulnerable and exposed because of the elements are there, but you're totally supported right, by God's word, because you're belonging to God's family, so your support is there, but you're totally exposed. And then in maturity, people can truth on you and that transformation can happen. That because of the belonging, there's this responsibility that we have to one another that, hey, listen, I love you, Chris, and because I love you, this is the conversation that we need to have, that I've invited you into my life in that way that you can truth on me. And again, as we've said time after time and time around here, one of the big things that all of us struggle with is I am very comfortable walking into a room and you saying, hi, Chris, and me going, oh, they know me. But I'm really uncomfortable with, most of us, if not all of us, are uncomfortable with, hey, Chris, and knowing that you know me. But then in this knowing that happens here, that this is where real life, Begins, And this is where we've heard over and over and over from people that have kind of taken this step out over the last few months and been in a, a group or even beyond that have even said, hey, I, we're in a group together, but I want to meet for coffee or whatever, and begin to, to step out on that platform and say, hey, here's who the real Chris is, here's the real so-and-so, and there's true thing that begins to happen and what that looks like and how it transforms us. The other part of this is not only is there this truthing and love so that in every aspect we can become mature. The other part is because of the body of Christ. So Christ is the head of the church, right? And so as he's the head of the church, if you lop off the head, what happens to a body? It doesn't do anything, right? It's gone. So the head is the source of life. And so to remove Christ from the head of the church, the church would die. It would be lifeless. And so part of that for us is saying, listen, that we submit to the headship of Christ, that he is the great teacher. He's the one we should be receiving from. And in verse 16, it even talks about from Christ being the head, that he builds up, that he nourishes, he provides the resources for the rest of the body so that we can move forward. What does it look like for us to belong to a family? And what should we receive from the family of God? As we should receive in a spirit of equipping, that there's teaching and training and learning up, 
and that we have the, the opportunity in that to either receive it or to reject it. And if we receive it, then it's this part of this is equipping is that we're, we're going to find our places in some uncomfortable places, but in that uncomfortableness grows us. It develops us. It matures us. And it allows us to move on from drinking milk and eating baby food to going to steak and enjoying that and enjoying the fullness. Because listen, one of the things that I want for my children is not only do they launch out, but they experience the fullness of life for themselves beyond my household. Because as cool as I think my household is, there's things that is unique for them and for them alone that they can't experience at home. Because I think it's crazy when I walk into a restaurant and I see... 13, 14-year-old kids, and their parents are cutting their steaks. I'm like, look, either take the kids to the gym or get them baby food. I mean, if they can't cut their own steak, then there's other problems. My kids need to enjoy the fullness of life and know that, hey, mom and dad love them and care for them, and we're going to support them, encourage them, and they can call and ask questions as long as I'm available to call and ask questions. But that I know that they can't be fully who they're supposed to be in my household until they're in their own mature fleshing out life on their own. And for me as a pastor, one of the things that burdens my heart is to, is to know that some of the things that we struggle with are basic elementary things that we should grasp and that we struggle with. And you keep drinking from the bottle. You keep going to the baby food and you're wondering, like, why can't I X? Why can't I do this? And as a pastor, I want to love you and guide you and say, listen, because you've got to get to a place where you can take this and do some of this and feed and work, do some of this work on your own and develop the muscles and do the work necessary to mature up, to grow up in faith and life. Because if you're totally dependent upon me, it's not going to be enough. As a matter of fact, probably by Monday or Tuesday, you're probably getting hungry and starving and wanting some more. And the only way for you to continue to eat and continue to grow and to continue to develop is for you to be able to dig in on your own. So that's my challenge for all of us is dig in, drink deep, eat the steak, and grow and develop. Don't let your development be arrested. Let's pray together. Dear Holy Father, I thank you that you are a good father, that you're patient, that you're long-suffering, that you put up with our mess. Father, that there, for all of us there are moments where our spiritual development is arrested. But you continue to be patient. Lord, may you guide and direct us. You are the ultimate shepherd and pastor and teacher. May we receive your teaching and training. Learn us up. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.